This is Untitled MMA. Untitled MMA, December 13th, 2017, uh, coming off of UFC Fresno this last weekend, and we have UFC Winnipeg on Fox coming up this next weekend, so we'll be talking about both of those. We also have a little GSP talk, and a little Whitaker Rockhold talk, and some other stuff. But first, obviously I want to start off with UFC Fresno, Brian Ortega submits Cub Swanson in the main event. Um... Bryce is doing some gestures. I don't know what they mean. <laughs> I'm Brendan. Hi, I'm Bryce. Oh. <laughs> All right. I'm Booju. I'm Brendan. And I'm Bryce. <laughs> Those, okay. Those are some wild gestures. <laughs> Anyways. Brian Ortega submits Cub Swanson in the main event. Um, I was hoping Cub would win. That was the last fight on his UFC contract. And I think that hurts his negotiations now. And I think it kind of even makes it a little more likely that he ends up leaving and going to Bellator coming off a loss. But, uh, yeah, the main event was a bummer for me anyway. But Ortega's super impressive with that standing guillotine out of nowhere. Yeah, I'm disappointed. As, go. Yeah, I'm disappointed, as I said on the okay. earlier show from last week. I wanted Cub Swanson to win, but that obviously didn't happen. I think he might make, make, might make the move to Bellator from that as well, considering that he cannot be – a top tier in that division compared to a Bellator, but you can go Bryce. Yeah, I think it was definitely a bummer. I wanted Cub to win, but I mean, Brian Ortega is probably the best jiu-jitsu practitioner in the division. He's probably one of the best jiu-jitsu practitioners in MMA. His style reminds me a lot of uh, Damian Myers of the fact that he can get something literally anywhere. Mm-hmm. But it's a lot more aggressive because I mean he's a lot more younger and explosive and in a lighter weight class. And he's undefeated, right? Yeah, he's undefeated. So, do you think there's any case uh, that could be made for him getting a title shot with Max ahead of Frankie, or is Frankie for sure the next in line? I think Frankie will get the next shot just because even in the post-fight interview, Brian Ortega said, "Yeah, I'll wait and." fight the winner of Frankie and Max, which was a weak move. Weak move, bro. Um, I think the only case could be made, the only case that could be made as far as that goes would be that Frankie's had multiple shots at the belt um, since he's had, since he was the champion, and he couldn't take it back uh, any of those times. But I do think, based on what level he's at right now, I do think he probably deserves the next shot, especially considering that he was getting a shot until he got injured and Aldo ended up stepping in. But uh, And then also on that card... You got something? No, I'm good. Also on that card was a uh, knockout-of-the-year candidate when Marlon Moraes KO'd Aljamain Sterling with a lightning-quick knee that everybody thought was so fast that everybody thought it was a kick when it first happened. A nasty, nasty knockout, which was also a bummer for me because I wanted Aljo to win that fight, but... 
impressive for Marlon Marais and made a statement in that in the bantamweight division. Yeah, I agree. And like I said in our last picks post, I thought Marais is just a little too good for Sterling at this point, and it sucks that he got caught with what he got caught with because it looked like he just got shut off for a good minute. Yeah, um, and then Jason Knight in the co-main event, another one of our favorites, just looked totally flat. Came out and didn't even. If it comes out that he was injured going into that fight, it wouldn't surprise me at all because he did not look like himself whatsoever. Um, and then uh, moving outside of USC Fresno, GSP vacated the title, which I kind of called last time we did this. I said it sounded like he wasn't really interested in defending the belt, and obviously he wasn't because the belt is now in Robert Whitaker's hands. GSP vacating it. Uh, ulcerative, col- ulcerative colitis is what he's going to be out with. But in my opinion, he was never looking to defend that belt anyway. But even if he didn't, like, uh, you're putting it, I think, too too much towards interesting rather than that he's going to be, that he has a significant injury. He does have an injury, but there were, there were already talks before he came back that he wanted to win the 185-pound belt drop down, fight Woodley for the 170 belt, and then drop down and fight whoever happened to be the champion at 155 for that belt. And all those, and everybody was saying going into the fight they never expected him to defend it. Dana said he never expected him to defend it going into the going into the fight with Bisping. So all the signs point to GSP didn't really want to defend the belt anyway, and the UFC was an idiot for letting him fight for it, especially when it's a division he's never fought at before. Yeah. That that's fair, but I mean, I think because he got that injury, you, it takes a. It sounds a whole lot better on his end because of the injury rather than not defending it because of he wants to go win one seventy belt. John Donaher says it's going to be three to eight months before they even know if GSP is going to be able to train in MMA again, let alone fight. So that's some wild stuff I know. yeah and if it is as significant as it sounds I hope he doesn't even attempt to do anything that can risk further injury because that's I read about it that's pretty scary and they said him going up to 185 is part of what probably caused it I don't know I, I didn't really read too much into what colitis is I don't really know what it is I know it's a tear in your insides but outside of that I don't know much about it but they said the weight gain going up to 185 probably was a part of it if you do any type of research on stuff like injuries, it scares you away, like leading to death earlier and stuff mm-hmm. like that. And I was like, I'm done. Yeah, come yeah, on. Ultimately, I just hope GSP does what's best for his health, and I hope he kind of just retires at this point. Just call it a wrap. Don't risk like dying. The moment of him coming back and winning, <laughs> <laughs> like dying. <laughs> the moment of him coming back and winning the belt was a very cool moment and probably one of the best of the year, but it would have been equally as cool without the belt, so it's a bummer that the division kind of ended up getting screwed up because of that fight. But anyways, because of that, we end up with Robert Whitaker and Luke Rockhold. Uh, Whitaker now the acting champion and undisputed champion. Well, maybe not undisputed, but he is the champion. He'll defend against the former champion, Luke Rockhold. And I think, in my opinion, that is a very tough fight to pick. Yeah, that's really hard to pick, especially because, I mean, uh, Whitaker's going to be the smaller guy coming into the fight. Uh, Rockhold, in his last fight, it took him a second to come back because he was coming off a pretty lengthy layoff against David Branch. But mm-hmm. once he came to life, he just took over. He was. But then. Go ahead. 
and but then uh, Whitaker's been beating dudes like he just beat Yoel, he's beat Jacare, he's beat a lot of guys no one thought he would beat, especially at this point in his career. So yeah, it's definitely hard to call. Um, and what Rockhold did almost get finished in the first round, I believe. Excuse me, against David Branch. Um, and Rockhold did lose to Bisping, who was significantly smaller than Luke is. And, but I think Whitaker's even smaller than Bisping, yeah? Yeah, I mean, uh, he's definitely... Whitaker is perfectly in between 170 and 185. Right. And to where he has no true division, but this is what's obviously easiest in terms of weight cut. But he's probably one of the smallest 185ers. I do think if Whitaker lands on Rockhold that he has a really good shot of putting him away. So, yeah, as early as it is right now, I think I would probably pick Whitaker in that fight as it stands. I don't even know what I would do. What do you think, Brendan? I'd probably say Whitaker, but I can't even recall the last time I've seen Rockhold fight, so I don't. Probably the last time you seen would be when he got knocked out by Bisping. So yeah, That's true. So I couldn't even say, like, Rockhold's been good the last couple of fights, so I think he can do something well right. here, but I haven't, so. And then this is a little bit older news, but something I just want to get into a little bit. Dana White said that the UFC is going to start promoting boxing. Um, I think that it's a good move to have boxing cards on Fight Pass. What I'm concerned with is if they get into full blown, full blown boxing promotion, are is everybody in the UFC going to want over and want to jump over and box like Conor McGregor did? Or at least anybody on that top level, are you going to get Mac Holloway's jumping over and uh, Frankie Edgars and Tony Ferguson's? Is everybody going to want to jump over to boxing, or is it going to be two separate entities? You know what I mean? My worry would be that people, a whole bunch of people, move over want to be like Conor and have the ability to do so, which I wouldn't like, and I don't know if that would that would probably hurt MMA. I would say, right. considering it's in its early years and. The only way I see like them even wanting to do it is obviously money. So that's just my thoughts. And honestly, I don't even I don't know too much about their potential boxing ventures, but unless they get like the few giant names in boxing in order to fight like with their promotion, right. there's no more money in boxing than there is MMA not if it's the, under the UFC. Not at the level that they would be at. Exactly. If they just started. A- boxing promotion and i'm not even really sure what their plans are because a boxing promotion doesn't work like the ufc where you have these guys under contract and they can only fight under other guys under your contract because boxing guys under boxing promotions are fighting guys from other boxing promotions for big fights anyway um and i don't know exactly what their plans are going to be maybe they're just talking about broadcasting fights which would be a good move for fight pass but you're not going to get top level fights on an internet streaming service right now either so I don't know what their plans are, um, unless they're planning on stealing somebody away from a top promotion like Top Rank or uh, Golden Boy or something like that. I don't really see it making a big splash in boxing at least for a while. But I don't know. I think I think it's an interesting move, and I like I said, I do think it's a good move to have boxing on Fight Pass. I think they should have boxing and wrestling and jujitsu and all the different um, arts that go into mixed martial arts on Fight Pass, but starting your own boxing venture seems like a weird move from the UFC right now. And it almost kind of, to me, um, it weakens your argument about MMA over boxing. You know what I'm saying? 
Yeah, and I mean, in that argument of MMA over boxing, it you can't, it isn't really comparable in the sense that, in general, more people will watch MMA, mm-hmm. but with the few mega fights it draw, of boxing, it draws MMA fans, it draws bo- boxing fans, it draws a lot of different people, especially if it's like uh, someone from a, a real a fighting nation like Mexico or something like that mm-hmm. that has, draws a whole country behind them. I don't think you can really uh, make that comparison between MMA and boxing, and especially anymore. But it's definitely a weird move in general for the UFC. I do think that they should have like boxing events on Fight Pass, but to try to promote like some of the biggest uh, boxing matches in the world, like it sounds like they would want. That just sounds silly. And to me, it's also weird because like me and you were talking about just recently, Bryce. It seems like the UFC has enough problems promoting their own fighters to turn them into stars. So now you're going to go over to boxing and try and make stars in boxing when you already can't do it in the sport that you basically control? I don't know. Just a weird move all around. So is this only for Fight Pass or no pay-per-view? I have no idea what their plans are. Dana just said they're getting into the boxing business. Because, like, I would imagine, like, if it's combined with boxing, would that increase pay-per-view cost? Or, like, how would that – like, you know what I'm saying? UFC getting into the – pay-per-view boxing game with without a top-level name because there's like eight guys in boxing that can draw pay-per-views if that anthony joshua pacquiao maybe i don't even know if he could draw pay-per-views without a really strong opponent at this point Mm -hmm. in his career um triple g canelo Canelo, even like floyd could if he fought again floyd yeah and then even lomachenko which was a big deal who just fought saturday he was on espn so Mm -hmm. It, it would be really hard for them to try to promote their own stuff. Like, they'd be better doing like ESPN does. Because I'm sure ESPN didn't promote the fight. They just happened to be the ones that bought the streaming rights. Well, yeah, Top Rank. It was a Top Rank promotion. Top Rank promotion ran the event, but Top Rank has a deal with um, ESPN, where they broadcast on ESPN. And I'm sure, Bryce, at least you've heard the name Bob Arum. Bob Arum yeah. is the promoter for Top Rank, so yeah, I've heard a lot about Bob Arum recently. And Pacquiao's and I, under, Pacquiao is under the Top Rank umbrella now too. I don't know how long that's been going on. I'm never going to pretend to know anything about boxing. This is just what I've read. But Pacquiao is under the Top Rank umbrella. So if Conor ends up fighting Pacquiao, which is being discussed, which I put a gun in my mouth if it happens, uh, Bob Arum <laughs> would be involved in that deal. And Dana White and Bob Arum do not really care for each other very much. <laughs> Not one bit. That's the only reason I know who Bob Arum is, is all the bad things he has to say about MMA and Dana White specifically. Yeah. Uh, I think that about covers all the other topics until we get into this weekend's card, if you have anything, Bryce, Brendan. Negative. Nope, I'm ready. All right. We have, we're going to pick the main card for this weekend's Fox event. So four fights. Um, I lead in the pit. I lead in the picks. My record is 107 and 61. Bryce is in second at 168, and Brendan is dead last in third at 92 and 76. Dead last at 92. Like I said, we're picking the entire main card, and the first fight on that main card is. Hold on, I think I have poor schedule here. Oh no, it is Glover Teixeira and Misha Serkinov. Teixeira 26 and 6, Serkinov 13 and 3. Exactly half. That's fun. Um, that bout is obviously at light heavyweight, and let me pull up the odds here. 
Uh, da, da, da. Glover Teixeira is a plus 145 underdog. Serkinov a minus 165 favorite. Bryce, you can go ahead and start. For one, that's wild. That I didn't know what the odds were. I just knew Glover Teixeira is always good, and I'm not 100% sure who Misha Serkinov is. I have Glover winning this. He's probably going to land a really heavy right hand because it seems like that's his go-to weapon. He's going to stay at light heavyweight elite until he decides to retire, I think. I wouldn't say elite. He's probably going to float around that mid-top level. (laughs) He's like top five in terms of ranking to where it's technically elite, but you know what I mean. Brendan? I got Misha Serkinov. Yep, you got it. Dude looks ripped on pictures, (laughs) so I think... uh... Let me look up this guy anyways. I also have Misha Serkinov. He is 4-1 in the UFC. He does have a very impressive win, at the time anyway, over Nikita Krylov. He beat Ion Kutalaba, who's been on a little bit of a run recently, and his only loss recently is to Vulcan Uzdemir. So I do have Serkin. Checked. I do, <laughs> I do have Misha Serkinov beating Glover Teixeira. I have never seen this man fight, but I'm gonna stick with have. my pick. I'm pretty sure we saw him lose to Uzdemir. Right, I'm sure pretty pretty sure you guys saw him lose to Uzdemir. Hmm. But I'm pretty sure that was a quick fight, so. Um, and then the next fight on the main card is, I'm not as prepared as I usually am, Santiago Ponzinibbio. What a fun name to say. Fights Platinum Mike Perry. Ponzinibbio is 26-3. and Perry is 11-1. and And the odds are Ponzinibbio is a minus 190 favorite. And Perry is a plus 165 underdog. Bryce? This is going to be a really fun fight, and when they announced this, I was, I've was i been really excited about it. I'm excited about this main card in general, especially after seeing what Misha Serkinov looks like. Um, <laughs> I, <laughs> but I have Mike Perry here. The dude has got crazy power, and he's going to land a highlight knockout. Calling it. Calling it. Calling it, but I got Santiago. I got Santiago. <laughs> I also have Ponzinibbio. Um, Perry has had some very impressive knockouts, but Ponzinibbio been around a little bit longer, and he's also put away some dudes with some pretty nasty knockouts. So I think Ponzinibbio probably pulls it out in this one. I just also want to point out that this is a weird ordering for the main card, so I don't know if this is correct right now at UFC.com because Ricardo Lamas and Josh Emmett are the co-main event. Uh, Lamas is 18-5 and in his career. Emmett is 12-1. and I'm pretty sure I've never seen Josh Emmett fight, but... The odds are Lamas is a minus 275 underdog. Emmett, a plus 235 underdog. Bryce, go ahead. I also don't know who Josh Emmett is. I looked him up. He looks to be in shape, which is good for a smaller guy. But I have Ricardo Lamas winning this. He's. I just have a feeling he's a, a much more well-rounded fighter. And this is probably too much for Josh Emmett. At this point in his UFC career, Brendan, I would agree with the well-roundedness. I think he can win on the ground. I think, he, or, and he can win up top. So I think Lamas can win. Maybe put him away. Emmett is three and one in the UFC. His fights are a win over John Tuck, a win over Scott Holtzman, a loss to Desmond Green, and a win over Felipe Arantes. No idea who any of those dudes are except Scott Holtzman. Why is this dude in a co-main event? <laughs> it's Canada, man. And then the main event of the evening. Who'd you have? You didn't. Oh, I'm sorry. Pick. Uh, 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 Lamas. Okay. 
Then the main event of the evening, Rafael Dos Anjos and Robbie Lawler. Dos Anjos is 27 and 9 in his MMA career. Robbie Lawler, 28 and 11. Both former champions. Rafael Dos Anjos at lightweight, Robbie Lawler at welterweight. In this fight, Dos Anjos is minus 115. Robbie Lawler is minus 105. So very, very, very close odds going into the Edmonton main event. Edmonton? Winnipeg. Winnipeg. Winnipeg main event. Um, Bryce, go ahead. Um, I mean, this is going to be, I think, a really good fight because when RDA has looked really good in general since coming up to 170, and Robbie Lawler is Robbie Lawler, there will be some violence, but Robbie Lawler is going to win in a decision, most likely. A decision? Hmm. Yeah. Hmm. All right, well, I have a lot of rooting in the rest of because I heart. I heart. I, I, I definitely don't heart. <laughs> I hate RDA. He hates and, RDA. He hearts Robbie Lawler. <laughs> And I, I'm a, I'm a slight fan of Robbie, and I miss um, him as being a champion. So I kind of want to see him get a run back at the title, and which winning this fight would obviously help. So I got Robbie winning this fight, hopefully by a knockout. I also have Robbie. I think him, his power is just a little too much for Rafael dos Anjos at 170. If they were mean at 155 or maybe somewhere in between, it might be a little different. But Robbie Lawler is a big guy, and he hits very hard. And this is a Relatively new weight class for Dos Anjos, so I just think um, the boxing power of Robbie Lawler is a little too much for Rafael Dos Anjos right now. Don't so you do you think the winner of this potentially gets the next shot at Woodley? Because I don't think he has a fight scheduled. Depending what's going on with the GSP situation, I would say, yeah, I don't have the rankings in front of me. Yeah, um, I would say you got to go forward assuming GSP can't fight again, yeah. if you're the UFC at least. Right, and... Even if he does, I don't know if you want him fighting for a title anymore. There's no exactly. real, there's no need for it really. He can do super fights without for the title and still draw a significant amount. So nothing is really more fun than a Robbie Lawler title fight. I I could agree with that. And then you go from Woodley. I just miss Lawler as a champion. Looking at the rankings, uh, Thompson's number one behind Woodley, and I definitely don't fight that. I definitely don't think that fight should or will happen again. God, I hope it doesn't. Then Robbie Lawler, number two. Colby Covington, number three. I could see Woodley versus Covington happen just because of the trash talk that's been going back and forth on Twitter. But I don't think Colby's really deserving of it yet. I think he needs another win under his belt. Then Dos Anjos at four. Maya at five. Masvidal, Till, Condit, Cerrone, Ponzanibio. If Lawler loses, I wouldn't mind seeing a Condit-Lawler rematch. Even if he wins. Hell with it. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, that's always going to be a good one. And I think uh, you're right about Covington. I could see them doing, like, Stephen Thompson against Covington because that's probably the be- the worst matchup for Thompson, just a really good grappler, mm-hmm. assuming he actually uses it, unlike Woodley should have against Thompson, but we've already beat that. And while um, while we're talking about future title shots, looking at the light heavyweight rankings... Daniel Cormier is about to fight number two, Vulcan Uzdemir. Assume Cormier wins, and then he fights number one, Alexander Gustafson, and assume he wins that fight. What is left for DC at light heavyweight? You have Gustafson, Uzdemir, Teixeira. Jimmy Manuel hasn't fought for the title, but is anybody really interested in that? Then you have OSP, Shogun, Misha Serkinov, Corey Anderson, Elo Latifi, and Patrick Cummins. Well, and again... Give them GSP. (laughs) <laughs> but that, that, that's two fights 
I'd assume that's like around two years. So maybe somebody else comes up or he isn't the same fighter. I don't know. And DC's not a young young guy. So I could see him winning those two fights and then stepping away. Yeah. Which, right I mean, away. that even makes it even worse because then you don't have... Yeah. It, it's not... Light heavyweight is in a bad situation right now. I think, you either got to talk to the smaller heavyweights and be like, dude, if you cut down, you could, like, tear these dudes apart. And Or you talk to big middleweights, like, dude, if you come up, you're a whole lot more skillful than these slow lards up here. All the talk apart. All the talk about new divisions, I think the one the UFC would benefit the most from would probably be a 225-pound division because that would be perfect for Cormier, who was a former heavyweight. Now he's cutting all the way down to 205. Him in that 225 range would be good. It'd be good for John Jones if he ever comes back. OSP is huge at 205, so 225 would be good for him. And then you have all those smaller heavyweights that could like cut down to 225. Like pound heavyweights. Right. There's a lot of weight classes that you could say here. And yeah. Here and if you were if you were in charge of the UFC, Bryce, where would your weight classes be? For me, it would be 265, 225, 205. Or maybe even 200 and then 190, 180, 170, 160, 150, 140, and so on. Could you agree? How low would you go for the men? 110, 120. 110. Maybe, probably 120. I would not want to see 110-pound dudes just flying because yeah. that's all that would happen. That's what I thought of as soon as I said it. Yeah, probably 120. Um, It'd probably be something around there, but um, if I was the UFC, I don't think I could destroy – the 125, 35, 45, 55, 60, or, yeah, 55. I don't think I could destroy those divisions just because you already have rankings definitively. Guys are will, able to make that weight. Because if you drop it five pounds, you can't just assume that someone can make an extra five-pound right. weight cut. You're splitting the division in two or whatever. Yeah. So it would be hard to do in the UFC – I could definitely see more smaller organizations opting for more weight classes to see how that goes for them. What do you think about moving 170 to 175? And then, I think... Because that 170 to 185 is a big gap for that weight. 205 to 265 is already a huge jump, but those are already bigger guys. When you talk about mm -hmm. 15 pounds from 70 to 85, that seems like a big gap. Yeah, I mean, that goes from dudes that are like... And even 55 to 70, too. Yeah. It is a big jump, but, I mean, at the same time, it's been that way for so long that guys have adapted to where if they're not the most skillful, they'll put on a little more size and go up to 185. If they're really skillful, they'll stay smaller and try to cut down to 170. I definitely don't want to see as many uh, divisions as boxing, though, where it's like 160 yeah. and then 162 and 163 and a half or whatever the hell they do over there. Yeah, it's that's absurd because then a guy can collect like 20 belts and you think he's really good, but he's only fought like yeah. at a five-pound interval. Everybody in boxing has 12 belts. And that just makes you decent. I've never seen a boxer with less than 12 belts. <laughs> So the UFC is going to have to develop a lot of belts to make their boxers look impressive. <laughs> um, I don't really have anything else, Bryce. Nope. Brendan. Nope. Hit him with it, Bryce. It's a wrap. Wrap, wrap, wrap.